Um, tonight we're going to do something a little bit different. If you didn't receive one of these pieces of paper and you'd like to participate tonight, um, if there's maybe somebody that would like Bryce, would you mind handing these out? Thanks, Bryce. Just raise your hand, Bryce will uh, give you one of these. Oh, so, what we're going to do tonight is be in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and that's the text that Bryce is going to hand out to you tonight. What I thought we would try tonight is sort of like lab work together. You, you know when you take a class that there's a lecture and then there's also a lab associated with it? Some of you college kids are starting to twitch, right? You hate those labs that... You don't get any credit for them hardly, and it takes a lot of hours. But the point of the lab work is that um, you take what you've learned in the lecture and you try to actually participate in the process of understanding um, sort of what's happening in the lecture. So what we're going to do tonight is take this text, and for the first maybe 10 to 12 minutes, I'm going to walk you through, if you were to approach this text on your own, how you can come to understand what this text means by yourself. So, for instance, if myself or Matt were not going to preach this text in the next two weeks or two months, and you were reading 2 Peter chapter 1, and you came to this passage at the very beginning, you would actually um, want to walk you through some of the steps it takes for you to pause, read this, make sense of it, and try to draw out what God wants us to know. Um, so, we're going to try to do it together. I ask for your graciousness, because I've never really done this, um, you know, in this kind of format. But this is actually the process that I use um, when studying the Bible to develop what were um, sermons and lessons and things of that nature. And so our, our goal is this. As you can tell over and over in different formats, we're wanting every individual member here to be engaged with the Word of God throughout this year, throughout their lives. Um, there's reading plans that are available, three different reading plans for you in which you can read the Bible this year. You can even sign up and, and uh, you'll automatically be texted the scripture and you can push a button and it pulls up on your phone. And you can read the text. We want you to be reading that Bible. Kevin is offering um, an online Bible study to supplement that, to help support people in reading the Bible. Um, so tonight what we're going to do is hopefully what I want to do is transfer, put some tools into your hands so you can know um, exactly how to take a Bible text, break it down, and make sense of it and reconstruct the meaning in a way that you could say, I understand exactly what he's saying. Um, and you'll find out tonight that actually the steps to do this, uh, we'll build on this as we go throughout the year. We'll do it probably maybe once a month. We'll see, uh, your feedback will be important on how it goes. Um, but as we work through this, you'll learn that there's actually really simple steps to make sense of the Bible. So let's start with that. Um, first of all, let me turn this on. There we go. We're going to start with these steps tonight. Very simple. If you, look in the if you look on the screen, probably nothing shocks you about these steps, right? Step number one, do not miss this step. Pray. And we're going to pray in just a minute before we begin our study tonight. Number two is before you dig into um, what other people say about the Bible, just read it multiple times. A preacher friend of mine will read a text 30 times before he begins to deconstruct it, make sense of it, and then turn to other resources. He says that's the, one of the best ways to understand it. And so read the text multiple times. The third thing we'll do is 
not to really take you back to grammar school, but we're going to have to a little bit. We're going to deconstruct the grammatical structure. That's a fancy way of saying we're going to find all of the verbs, we're going to find all the subjects that go with those verbs, and the object of those verbs, and then we'll see how the prepositions or the modifiers explain further each proposition or each statement in the Bible. And then the other thing we'll do is we'll find all the terms that have conclusion to them, things like so that or therefore, terms of contrast like but, and terms of comparison. And then we'll finish tonight by looking at the main idea. Um, and so what I want to do is take about 10 minutes or so and walk through this text. It's a pretty short text. And then I'll preach, it, I'll preach it back to you with what we come to understand together. So if you have a pen or a pencil, be ready because I'm going to show you some markings that you can do on this text um, to make some sense of it. But let's begin by prayer. God, we pray to you tonight because we first and foremost believe that you are the author of this text we're going to read. We believe that you move through your spirit to inspire Peter to write this letter to Christians, and we are Christians today, and so we can receive the very same message directly from you through these words. Father, I pray that you would help us not to uh, place ourselves above Scripture or even next to Scripture in a sense that we're equal to it. I pray that we would place ourselves underneath this text, that it might be the very weight that shapes us and guides us and makes us into the people you want us to be. And I pray that you would give us honesty and integrity as we look through the text to make the most sense of it so that we can be people that obey you in all things. In Jesus we pray together. Amen. Okay, let's read it a few times. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire." Let's read it one more time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. One more time. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, let's start with the first step. Let's find the verbs together. Um, Let's start at the very beginning. His divine power has, you guys tell me when to stop. Granted, right? Everybody good with that? Okay, his divine, so that's the first action word, granted. Second one, uh, his to, to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us. You see that one? Called, right? That's the action that God has taken. He has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted. Pause, right? He's granting again. 
And one of the really great things about slowing down and doing this is you'll see repeating words. See, this is the second time that Peter's used the word granted. So now he's showing us that God is granting to us certain things. So the third one is granted there. Yep, it popped up. To us, his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become. Should I pause there? Yeah, may become, right? Partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption. See that last one? Escaped, right? From the corruption that is in the world because of the sinful desire. Very good. So here's the action word. So if you just pause for a moment, notice some of the action we've got going on here. We've got granting being offered, a calling being extended, may become as a passive verb. It's like uh, it's an indicative what he wants to happen. And then having escaped, having escaped. All right, now, everybody got those marked? Your next thing to do is let's find all the subjects that go with those verbs. So the subject is who is doing the verb. Everybody good with that? The subject is who is doing the verb. Quick side note, when you're reading scripture, sometimes it could be a little bit tricky because Greek is not the same as English. So sometimes, typically in English, you have the subject first, then the verb, then the object. But sometimes in Greek, that's reversed, and sometimes it's, uh, you'll have the subject and the object on the other side of the verb. So you've got to be careful when you're reading the Bible. But most of the time, the translators do us correct in English. So let's start with the first one. Um, who or what is granting? His divine power, right? So we've got divine power is granting. His divine power. Now called. You see, it's him. Him who calls. Granted, the, the second granted, it's he granted. Everybody with me so far? Am I going too fast? Okay. Now, may become. Who's the subject of may become? Him? You. Very good. You see how important this is? Some of these verbs have to do with what God does, and some of them have to do with us, right? So God is the grantor, the caller, and you and I are the ones intended to become something. Now, to read carefully, who's, who, is the, who or what is the subject of escaped? It stays with you, right? There's, there's actually, it's not said again, but it's implied. You may become, and you also escape. So the action for us is becoming something and escaping something. Already making sense to you what the Bible's saying? The action of God is granting and calling. All right. Give me the nods. We're good? Okay. Now let's do the objects. So subject is, who is doing the action? Object is, who or what is the action being done to? So, divine power is granting. What is divine power granting? What? Good job, Anna. Great. All things. Anna, she, she paid attention. You probably went to school and they still taught grammar of her a long, long time, right? <laughs> One room? No, I'm just kidding. That was, uh, <laughs> oh, man, that, was, that was a cheap shot. I'm sorry. But she was right, though. Okay, so you guys see, divine power grants all things. Now, I've underlined the rest of it to give some clarification. All things pertaining to life and godliness. Now, let's go to the next phrase. Him, God, called. Who or what did he call? Us. Good. He called us. So this one's personal. He called us. Okay. Verse 4. 
he granted, what did he grant or who did he grant? Read carefully now. Did he grant us? What did he grant? Good, very good. He granted promises that are precious and great. Those kind of clarify, that's why I've underlined it. Everybody with me so far? Craig is not with me. Let's pause for a minute for Craig. <laughs> what did you say? He done did grant it us, Craig. <laughs> okay. So he granted promises. That's what he's granted. And those are going to come to us in a moment. Okay. You may become, what are we, what, what's the object of becoming? Partakers. Very good. Very good. You guys are good at this. Very good. So you may become partakers, having escaped. What are we escaping? Corruption. Very good. Starting to come together now. So God granting all things, calling us, and granting promises. You and I are supposed to become partakers, escaping corruption. Sounds pretty biblical so far, doesn't it? Yeah, we've heard this before. All right, the last step for this part is let's just add the prepositional phrases that kind of clarify the statement. So for the first one, his divine power has granted all things to us, right? It's not all things to um, a different group of people, all things to Israelites or all things to the prophets or all things. He's granted them to us, us as Christians. The second one is he who called us. What did he call us? to his own glory and excellence. So that clarifies that. Verse 4, he granted promises, again, to us, right? Do you see that right there in the middle there? To us. So we pause there for God's action. He's granting all things and promises to us for life and godliness. And he's called us to his glory and excellence. You may become partakers of what? What are we supposed to partake in? Divine nature. And we're escaping the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Okay, deep breath. Pause for a second. Everybody with me so far? Do you see how you can actually do this at home? Like it's, it's you know, there's nothing magical about this. It's just really deconstructing the sentence structure to understand what's being said. But here's why this is important. Here's why this matters. Because now, um, this doesn't always feel like Bible study, right? Bible study is supposed to be, you know, devotional, inspirational. Actually, this is the work to do real Bible study. Because what you see up there on the screen is subject, verb, object, prepositional phrase. That's a statement. And each of those statements becomes a thought that you've got to understand. So let me give you a clean look at this. Here's thought number one. His divine power is granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Now you know who the subject is, what the action is, what's being granted, and to who. The second one is, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Third one is, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you might become partakers of the divine nature. And lastly, having escaped the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire.
Now here's where you pause. So you've done a lot of work. You've made sense of um, what the subject is, what the verb is, what the object is, um, the prepositional phrases that modify and clarify what the Bible's trying to tell us in this text. And that groups together the important thoughts, the singular thoughts, what you might call them propositions. God's, God's proposing. Each one of these are propositions from God that, that tie together to say something to us. Now, what you got to do now is ask yourself this. What's the main object or the main goal of this text? What's, what's the outcome that God is wanting to accomplish? Uh, look at all these. Uh, which one of these do you think is the thing he's trying to accomplish in us? Everybody, purple? Craig says purple. Do you agree, agree with Craig? That, 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 think about the outcome, though. What does he want to, what, what outcome does he want to have happen? There you go. Well, that's the negative version, Gene. What's the positive side? Be like him, right? Good, good, you got it. So here's the outcome he wants to accomplish. See, when you've broken these down, you can see how there's um, a main object of what he wants to happen, and then support thoughts are going to make that happen and tell us how, okay? What he wants to have happen and how. So this is what he wants to have happen. Do you see that? So that. The indicator is so that. When you see a phrase in the Bible that says so that, it's telling you this is what God wants to have happen. So that. He's doing divine promises. He's doing great promises and divine power and calling. So that. So that. So that. Get that down and underline that. So that you may become partakers of the divine nature. You see what God wants for you? Now pause for a minute because I'm going to preach to you. Do you see what God wants for your life? He wants you to be a partaker of divine nature. Now, the next time we come back and do this, I'll show you some of the next steps that you can take because what's important about this point is starting to define words. Like, what does God actually mean by being a partaker of his divine nature? Because let me tell you one of the big missteps that we make in Christianity. One of the biggest missteps we make in Christianity is that we believe it's about us taking from divine nature. What I mean by that, divine nature is God's grace, God's mercy, it's his character, who he is. Like Ephesians chapter 2 where Paul said because of his great love with which he has loved us, his mercy and his grace, he has saved us. Oftentimes Christianity is viewed as people who take from God his nature. But what does God actually want you to do? Is there a difference between taking and partaking? Think about another place in, uh, in the church where you use the word partake. The table, right? Where you partake of the bread. Do you just, uh, when you partake in that, do you just take it and not think about it? Do you just take it and say, oh yeah, that's great. No, the reason it's body and blood is because you're now part of the body. And you're now in the covenant because of the blood. You see, what Peter is reminding us of is that all of God's redemptive work, salvation, great promises, divine power, all of that is feeding into this great grand desire that you would actually reflect and be like God, partake in his nature. Meaning this, that not just God is gracious and merciful and kind and forgiving, but you actually become that. Now let's watch how these work together. Everybody with me so far? God wants us to become partakers of his nature. So how's he going to do this? 
to accomplish this goal, God's divine power has granted to us, has given to us everything you would need that pertain to life and godliness. You see, so Peter's first statement is God's power. And we've talked about the word power the last few weeks in the series on hope. Do you guys remember that? The word power is used in the New Testament and the Gospels. Most frequently translated the word miracle, which means the working of God for mankind. The working of God that mankind can't do. So God's power has granted to us everything that we would need for life and to actually become godly. That means to look just like God. All the way back in Genesis chapter 1, when God made mankind, they said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness. And what Peter's giving to you is a depth of salvation that is more than just escaping punishment, but partaking in the very kind of people that we were always supposed to be. God's power from all creation has been working to make you become the very person you're supposed to be. So that deep desire you have in you that churns to become a better version of you, guess what? The sovereign Lord of the universe is putting all of his resources into you becoming the very best version of you. You like that? Everything he's doing is to make you become the greatest version of you. The problem is, we're going to get to the end, I'm going to spoil it, you've got to escape the deception of the world. Because there's a best version of you inside of you that is godly and God wants you to partake in his nature so he's going to put all of his power behind it to give us what we need so how's he going to do that though here's how he does it this is through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence so how do we get access to God's power to make us godly does it happen when I go into my closet and I just pray a couple times and I get zapped by some magical feeling is that what Peter says? Is it a mystical experience when I'm out in the woods and just get struck by something? It's not. You see, even back in um, first century, you know, before we were modern, enlightened people that are super smart and not, uh, you know, we don't get into weird things. You know, back then, even back then, Peter says, your access to the power of God to become godly is through what? Knowledge of him. What specifically does he want you to know, though? He wants you to know the calling that he has given to you. That he has called you, that the calling of Christianity, the calling to be his child, is a calling to share in his, notice he puts the word his, possessive, glory and excellence. The calling of Christianity is for all people to leave sinfulness and join into God's glory and God's excellence. And when you know that, when you have a knowledge that all that God has been doing is trying to call people back to be the very best version of themselves, which is a godly version of them, when they know that they've been called into glory and excellence, that is how you access power. So you've got to know him. And when you know him and his calling, it begins to link you up with his power to become the kind of person that God wants you to be. But keeping, keep going with this thought. This calling, then, when you know about this calling to join in the excellence and glory, the life of godliness, you might say, you realize that it has been granted to us because of his very great and precious 
promises. This promise is for a life now that he's going to continually sanctify us to make us become more like Jesus. And the ultimate culmination of the promise of God is that when Jesus Christ returns, we will be like him. You see, when you realize that every ounce of God's power has been poured into helping his children become the very people that he designed them to be, and that all of his power is into that, and he wants you to access that power by becoming aware of the calling of Christianity to partake in his excellence and his glory. And when you know that, and it's linked with the great, precious, the great and precious promises, that's what... He says, so that through them, what's them? Great promises. You'll become a partaker of the divine nature. And lastly, you'll escape the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Have you ever wrestled with sinful desire? Struggled to get rid of it? What Peter did for you, if you broke down this text with me, is you understood this. He gave you the key to getting over sinful desires. Sinful desires will not be conquered by white-knuckled, gritting-your-teeth resolution. It won't. You'll eventually give up. You're, remember, Jesus said, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. You'll give up. You'll quit. If you, take, if you say, this is going to be on my power to become like God, this is going to be my resources to become like God, and you don't have anything to do with God's power, you will eventually quit and give up. That's why you've got to access divine power. And so he says that through an awareness of the great and glorious promises of God that we will become like Jesus Christ, we gain the power not only to become like God, but also in the yellow to do what? To escape corruption. You won't leave your sinful desires in the past until you look ahead to what's in your future. That if you just keep looking at them saying, I don't want to be that anymore, I don't want to be that anymore, it's like a person trying to lose weight, standing in front of the refrigerator saying, I don't want to eat that chocolate cake. I'm going to tell you right now, it doesn't work. When Lisa bakes and she has things in her house, I'm a, I'm a goner. It's not happening. It's just looking at me. But when you put in front of you what you want to become, combined with a belief that you will become that, that great and precious promise makes you look at that cake that sinful desire and say, it's not worth my time. I'm going to escape this because I've got something in front of me that's much greater. I've got a God who is the sovereign of the universe that has got his entire resources poured into me becoming the very person I'm supposed to be. Why in the world would I toy around with something like this? And when you know the great power of God is pouring in all of his energy to make you become godly because Godliness is you partaking in his divine nature, which you were always supposed to do. You will access that power and start to become that kind of person. I hope that this was helpful to you. Not just the exercise, but I hope the scripture was helpful to you. Because the call of God is not just for us to dabble in this world, play around with some church, and then eventually finish this life and hopefully we just, you know, did it average. The call of God is to be a participant with him in the remaking of the world to become glorious someday. The, the participant with him to bring as much of heaven to earth, to be people that have grace and mercy and compassion and love and give people access to God. What God wants us to be is his nature in this world so that people who don't know God can have access to his nature through us. Boy, don't miss out on that great joy.
And if you're missing out on that, and maybe you don't have God's nature, maybe you're not aware of it, maybe you've never tasted it, you've got to start by understanding his power is for you and understand his calling so that you'll become a person that's just like him. Uh, if you need help, let's stand and sing.